it. Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. Over, sideways, and under. We're recording. We're recording, and I, I'm not stopping it this time. You're not. Did nope. you have a chance to listen to episode one with all the edits? Uh, yeah, I did, and I like it a lot, actually. Cool. I think you did a really good job. Thanks. How do you feel about the uh, the sounds and the intro stuff? The intro, I like the swishy, <laughs> chimey noise. We might have to change, but I'm going to keep it for episode one. Okay. So episode two, you might have a different noise for your uh, listen to the song noise, but <laughs> we'll figure that out. All right, did the, did that one just like well, yeah, it didn't work. It. I mean, it worked. It just I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Sorry. What kind of what kind of sound do you want? I don't know. Okay. I'm That's very piggy about these things, helpful. but I also don't know what I want, so it's really helpful. That's probably going to be the intro to this podcast. I'm super picky <laughs> about these things, but I have no idea what I want. Hey, you know? Anything interesting happening in the uh, music world? Um, well, here's the deal. Adam Levine went topless at the Super Bowl, and I think that, that, that has uh, that's taken the world by storm. I'm going to be honest. Um, the Super Bowl performance is underwhelming. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's valid. I I feel like rap. When you try to put rap, like rap, just doesn't. I mean, unless you're unless you're like Eminem or Kendrick Lamar, like rap live just doesn't translate doesn't well. You know, because they yeah. always try to put it on like one of those live acoustic sets. But the funny thing is, is that like even when they're they're jamming out and they're doing the whole the whole live drum thing, even some of the rappers, like you could tell they get on stage and they're like. What in the hell? This does not sound like my song. But they, but they're like, oh, we're gonna vibe to it anyway, you know, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, going on the music. Oh, oh my gosh, Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran's new song. I was gonna is say that. absolute freaking trash. They hyped yep. it up so much, so freaking much, and even Ed Sheeran for like a month and a half. Oh, me and the Biebs are getting together, put on a summer jam, and you listen to it, you're like, this is so trash. I listened to it, and then I wrote a song just to prove to myself that I could write a better song. And I, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wrote it and I was like, Ed Sheeran should have cut that record instead of whatever. Well, yep. What's that song called? I don't care or so. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I don't something. I put it on our, I don't care. We should review that next. Oh my next gosh. Round. It's so, literally so much trash. And here's the deal. It, it wouldn't be so much trash if it was like, a mediocre artist doing it, you know, but you're like Ed Sheeran, Justin Bieber, the epitome of what it means to be like a pop icon, two of probably yeah. the best pop writers in the industry. I, I want to say almost of all time, but we'll just say right now. And they do that and you're like, the melody is average. The instrumentation is average. The production sounds like the production off of a song that is like, like one of the songs that you don't really realize is on the record till like a year and a half later. You know, yeah. and you're like, you're like, oh, let's re-listen to that record again. And you do it. You're like, oh, I've never heard this song before. This is okay. You know, it's track seven that yeah. no one ever listens to. Literally. And and they played it off like it was going to be, you know, this big freaking smash hit, like Party in the USA part two, you know, and yeah. it was trash. No, it was disappointing. We were listening to it right before this and I was like, oh, that's sad. Here's the deal. I, I, I realize this is 100% opinionated and like 0% based on anything else other than the fact that I think it's trash. I literally listened to it and I was like waiting for it to get better and then it never did. So then it ended 
and I was in disbelief. And so I said to myself, I'm going to listen to it again because I bet you that really wasn't it. That, that wasn't the song. That was just like, you know, some <laughs> sort of demo thing they put together and decided not to do. So I literally listened to the song again. And then it said in that that was the actual song. And, and I, I wept. This is sad to me. This song at the moment is number one on the global and the U.S. Dude, top I 50 saw charts. that. I was like, what even? It has seven and a half million plays. That's it such a literally joke. is leading the next closest song by like one and a half million plays. What's the next closest song? Old uh, Town Road? No, that's the third closest <laughs> oh, song. Oh, see, I was which close. it's leading by almost three million plays. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, no, the second one is Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. Oh yeah, I uh, I I watched a I watched an interview with with Billy Irish Irish Billy. I was listening to that Billy Irish. Sounds like you were hitting the Irish pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I wish God I need it. Um, Billy Eilish, and she is seventeen, and she is like, she's so arrogant. She's like so unbelievably arrogant. And the funny part to me was, is like, she's so cocky. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. I just know you're a big deal because people are like, you're a big deal. I thought she was a guy until I watched that interview. And I was like, no way. She's a girl. Oh my God. Yep. I'm on the same same page. I thought she was a man (laughs) until you said she wasn't a man. Oh man. So this is new for you. Now is the time to listen to Old Town Road. The the remix version. Shipping. Let me make sure I give you guys the right version to oh, listen yeah, Billy to. Billy Ray. Good old Billy Ray. Yep, it's the Old Town Road Dash Remix with Little Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus. Please listen now. All right, and we're back. We're way more prepared. <laughs> <laughs> we, keep, we keep telling ourselves that, you know what I'm saying? We're yeah, prepared. If we, if we tell ourselves we're prepared. I actually I have like two pages of notes here. All right. All right. You want to start us off, Josh? Start us off. All right. Lil Nas X, Billy Ray Cyrus. I just... All right, here's here's the deal. My my entire or most of the review of, of this song is going to sound like I really don't like the song. And that's a hundred percent not true. I, th- I think the song is like super catchy. I I think it's it's really crazy how it is literally seemed like it's become an overnight hit. Um, and the funny thing like about this song is I was introduced to this song via the crazy insane like videos that are coming out, and you can literally watch these like compilation videos of like mainly it's like rednecks in crop tops drinking you know, some sort of, some sort of cheap beer. And it's like, you know, it's like them in cowboy boots and booty shorts and a crop top. And then it's like horses in the back and they'll do something kind of crazy. So like, that's how, (laughs) that's, that's how I I came to know this song. Yeah. I'd have to say, I think the first time I listened to this song was in a car ride with Maddie's sister and she turned it on because she really likes the song. Mm -hmm. So I didn't actually know about the crop top dancing rednecks oh so let me let me, let me tell you YouTube after after, after this podcast i'm fixing to shoot you some videos and and yeah old old town road will oh, never, man. never be the same to you ever again all right hey i'll go for it so i think so bo- both of the songs we're doing today old town road and, and wild thoughts i think that they are i think that they are lyrically brilliant but not not in the way that 
that you would assume that they're lyrically brilliant. Um, before, before I was, before we went to go do this podcast, I was listening to this song for the umpteenth time now and, and reading through some of the, some of the words and, and, and verse one is ver, verse one is okay. Um, and then you got, you know, the chorus, can't nobody t-, you know, that whole thing. And yep. <laughs> I was just reading through verse two, right. And I just I, I started laughing. My life's a movie, bull riding in boobies, cowboy hat from Gucci, Wrangler on my booty. <laughs> it literally, it was literally kind of like kind of like they just like all right, what rhymes with booty? The cool thing is is that um, obviously lyrical meaning is is a little kind of takes a back seat. But I think what they do with the lyrics and the way that that was it, little Nas, little Naz. Um, yeah, I don't know the way that he, the way that, that he presents it and kind of the swagger that he puts behind it. You know, I mean, here's the deal. Who else can, can, can sing a song? Like I got the horses in the back, like, like horses. In, what, what is that even, what are you talking about? Horses in the back, in the back of what, you a know, trailer? but the, but the way that he, <laughs> you know, the way that he presents it and, and it's, you know, the, the beat comes, he's like horses in the back. And all of a sudden the entire football stadium's like, yeah, we all got freaking horses in the back, you know, and we don't even know what it means. <laughs> I drive a Prius and you I know, got a horse we, in the back. We, yeah, exactly. And we don't even know what it means, but I think that's what, I think that's, what's brilliant about it is you can take, you can take a, a weird lyric about horses being in the back of something. And all of a sudden it's because of the way that he presents presents it and the cadence with which he he goes into that first line that like everyone's like I don't know what the hell he's saying but it's hype you know um so so and I think he does that throughout the whole song and so I think the way that he he presents the lyrics um in such a way that that makes it a hit you know and sometimes it is it's melodic cadence that make it a hit and and in this this case it's not the lyrics but it it really is that yeah and and what's fun about this song is it's not like Billy Ray Cyrus didn't write this at all. This is not Billy Ray Cyrus at all. I actually listened to a live version of this with Billy Ray Cyrus on YouTube, which was awful. I do not recommend it. Uh, (laughs) No, it was because it's like a 10 minute thing. And the song's only like, what, two and a half minutes, three minutes long. It's not very long. It's a 10 minute clip. And it's a 10 minute clip because Billy Ray Cyrus talks for like eight minutes before this (laughs) clip starts about about this song. I haven't seen this video. It's it's literally him saying, this song is amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> it, this song is amazing. And and then he's like, and I'm so happy that I was able to sing on it with Lil Nas, and he goes into all that. But it's like eight minutes of Billy Ray Cyrus hyping up a crowd for a song that is less than two minutes, like two minutes in length when it's done live. So I'm like, that's kind of sad. And then he's like, and, and the crowd needs to sing his parts because I cannot sing it and do it justice. I'm like, so the crowd's going to do better than you can do. You may not want to be in the professional music business. He's, he's, my really, he's, he's sitting there going, "Oh man, those achy breaky heart royalties are, are down in the dirt. I got to do Heart's something. <laughs> so let's put some horses in the back, you know?" Uh, yeah. No, and and I, honestly, I think it's awesome that he raps in it. I was like, when I was listening to it at first, I'm like, "Okay, this is cool." Oh my gosh, is that Billy Ray Cyrus rapping? I was like, <laughs> "It is. It is Billy Ray Cyrus rapping." So about them Fendi sports bras. You know what I'm yeah. <laughs> I have one thing I want to say about this, though, and yeah, this yeah. bothers me more than anything else, is they fade out at the end. Like, is this the 1990s? Yeah, right. I'm like, I haven't heard of fade out since, like, Missy Elliott and <laughs> some <laughs> some cheesy 90s song or something. 
I yeah, don't right. know. It it yeah, it felt really amateur to me. I'm like, okay, you couldn't figure out how to end your song, so you're gonna fade it out. That's that's cool. I I really feel like and and I think that there is a certain magic when when some artists do this. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of hip hop artists. I mean, I mean, big ones. I mean, Drake and and Lil Wayne and I mean, like major hip hop icons right now. And a lot of what they do, um, and a lot of sometimes what their process is, is they'll just go into the booth and they'll be like, "All right, play the beat," and I'm just gonna, you know, just kind of freestyle it more or less, and 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 kind of go until we find the takes that we want, you know. And and I think that this is probably what they did. I mean, I mean, maybe Billy Ray Cyrus. When he's talking about living like a, a rock rock star and Maserati sports sports car, which I don't think he's probably ever driven in his life, but um, you know, pretty I, sure I, he gets driven everywhere. Yeah, literally. Um, I do. I do think that's probably what what happened. You know, so so it is. It it is interesting when when that approach approach is is taken. I I do like the. Um, I, I think the sample's cool. I think if we move towards you know positive things about the song, I, I love acoustic samples in in hip-hop songs um i think they've got like a banjo in there and like some layered guitar and stuff like that and i think that's pretty pretty cool on the on the whole i'm really i don't tend to be about the whole oh let's take country and hip-hop and try to put it together because i I don't think it works very well most of the time um i i do think this song actually works pretty well though i i kind of like it i kind of like the way that it's arranged i think that yeah billy ray cyrus rapping at the end is is pretty dope. I mean, I mean, it kind of caught me by surprise. I mean, I guess this is the it's the remix or whatever. So the original version is just Lil Nas. Um, Lil Nas. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sending you a picture of Billy Ray Cyrus in his sports car. That's not a Maserati. <laughs> uh, pretty sure by all of these Google images, which are totally reliable and completely right. unaltered. Here's here's it's the deal. Just him on a like Range Rover. Maybe maybe we're a hundred percent wrong. Maybe Lil Nas, Lil Nas, is like heavy into horse breeding. You know, maybe he really is about yeah. the stallions, you know, and, and he really and, and I mean to be honest, I, I don't know anything about him. Um I mean or, after this song he's gonna be into horse breeding. Right. You know, and so maybe he is maybe he's really all about horse grooming and and you know and, and he's at the Kentucky Derby every year. I mean I, I don't know. I doubt it. But but you never know. Let's see here. His uh, bio on Wikipedia says American oh, rapper. Reliable. Oh, yep, from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> so I think, I think we, the odds that he is a uh, backwoods country boy are low. I, I love this photo. I wish we could post it somehow. We should make this the the cover art for for this podcast because it's literally like someone took some random million dollar house on Google photoshopped in a Maserati like they were in like a sixth grade Photoshop class and then photoshopped in Billy Cyrus, who I'd like to mention, by the way, is like seven times bigger than the Maserati and the house. (laughs) It's like giant Billy Ray Cyrus takes on Mazda Miata, I think, in front of his (laughs) tiny house. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a great photo. Um, Sorry, um, on to what I'm supposed to be talking about because I didn't really say anything about that. So production-wise, yeah, they do some interesting stuff. I do like the intro a lot um, because they split the, like, guitar, which is doing, like, low-end finger-picking, and then they have a banjo on the right. Yeah, right. So the banjo's on the right, the guitar's on the left. They blend well together. It's really well done. And that's about the last point in the song that I really liked mix-wise um because once the 808 beat comes in it kind of just overpowers everything like they keep the stuff in the background which i think is a great 
like concept and a really good choice because if they hadn't have done that, it would have felt really weird. But it's yeah. almost like I know it's there and I can barely hear it, but I can't really tell it's there. Yeah, I think they do a good job with that. And the 808 is kind of more of a country-esque 808, I would say, with the choices in there, like which 808 toms and kick to use and what all hi-hat shaker thingy. So, I, I mean, that was good. It was kind of boring. It didn't didn't do all that much. I did like... They do a good job at keeping the country feel, I will say. Um, and towards the end of the song, they use a whistle to help kind of keep that aesthetic there and help bring it back to the country. So it kind of starts country and ends country, but the whole middle section is this hip-hop 808 thing. So I think that's cool. Um, there's not a whole lot happening, though, production and mix-wise. It's really just cool, we're going to throw a country track on, we're going to throw an 808 over that, we're going to rap over it a little and sing some choruses, and there's one breakdown where it goes back to country for like 0.2 seconds, and then it's back <laughs> to the 808, and, and that's it, and that's the song. Yeah, and I mean, you could you could tell that, that this is geared to be you know, a, a pop hit. It's, it's geared so that literally, I mean, I was, at, I was in South Bend um, at the opening Notre Dame game, a couple months ago and this and this started playing in the background and everybody of course went wild you know and you have that 808 hit so that it just basically shakes the football players jock straps and i feel like that's what it was built to do <laughs> you know yeah you know no, um, this feels like a how loud can i make the bass in my like dump truck go so that yeah right sorry not dump truck <laughs> pickup truck <laughs> dump truck <laughs> how loud can i make the bass in my dump truck go yeah, I uh I, I will say so there's uh I'm I'm really into the the little things that different beat producers do to to give whatever they're they're crafting a little bit more swing or just a little bit more flavor. Um yeah. and coming in at like I think it's about forty three seconds, they add this tiny little sound effect that almost sounds like uh basically like a rotation of a six shooter which I think yep. is really, really dope. Like just kind of this small little thing that that is a little tiny nuance, but I, I think it really does, if you catch it, give the rest of, of the beat a little bit more flavor. Um, but but yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it is, it, is pretty, it is pretty repetitive, but I think that they do enough little kind of motif stuff like that um, to, keep it, to keep it interesting throughout. And I mean, like you said, the song's what, I think it's like two minutes and 45 seconds or something. Yeah, it's not very long at so all. So it's not a super long record. I do think they do, they do a good job, too, in keeping themes kind of alike. Um, and one of those themes, I would say, is like keeping Billy Ray Cyrus country and keeping him kind of where he lives and in a good, like just in a really good way, making sure that he sounds as good as possible when he's doing something totally out of his genre. Um, and, and they do that well. And the way they do it is kind of just through these tiny little tricks. Like they have layered vocals on his rap parts, um, which little Nas doesn't. They kind of boost up those like country instruments during those parts and help I guess connect the two things and that really keeps the theme like coherent so it doesn't feel like oh Billy Ray Cyrus is trying to rap over an 808 track because that would never work like if he was trying to rap over something completely out of his genre people would be like what the heck is he doing why is he doing this this is this doesn't make any sense and so they do a really good job and I think as far as like rap or rap hip hop and country being one thing in this song, they do a really good job at managing that. I wouldn't say it works very well. I mean, it's worked better than this ever has before because obviously this is a big hit right now and people people are really liking it. But yeah, I would say 
as far as that genre goes. I don't know that it's going to work again this successfully, but I, I wouldn't say it failed. I think a lot of people like it. I like this song. I think it, it works pretty well. It just isn't very interesting. And and it's funny that because I, I was wondering as you were talking, like, where do they pull Billy Ray Cyrus? You know, like out of all the the bigger country acts that you could get, you're like, oh, let's bring Billy Ray out of the the depths of the saloon. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, what I, what I think is interesting, I was I was just kind of looking up to see if maybe they had like sampled one of his old songs, um, and maybe that's why they brought him back. But actually, I was listening to it, and this uh, Old Town Road actually samples a Nine Inch Nails song called Ghosts. Yeah, Ghosts IV, whatever that Roman numeral is. Well, I think yeah. that's uh, I think that's that's all about that's all about. I have to to comment on uh, the horses in the back. Yeah, yeah, yep. I think we can wrap that one up. I will say sh- shameless plug. There is a dope uh, there's a dope Red Dead Redemption video that has this song in it, and it's 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 pretty oh, lit for all the the gamer people out there who dig Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. All right, for the listener, it's time for song number two. two this song two, two. is a little bit older. Josh requested it, so I thought I I'd oblige. I know. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, let me tell you why. I should probably tell him what the song is. All right, so the idea. song is Wild Thoughts featuring Rihanna by DJ Khaled. Rihanna and another guy whose name I've forgotten, whose name I can't see on the Spotify thing. So just find Wild Thoughts. You've heard it. I thought I hadn't heard it when Josh brought it up last time, but I was just being stupid and didn't remember what it was called. So, yeah. Go ahead and take a listen to Wild Thoughts. And welcome back. Welcome back. Bryson, Bryson Tiller. Tiller, that's his name. Oh, man. I have things to say about this song. So the intro to this song is really awesome. I like this Latin feel, um, that type bass, the verb to guitar, um, gives it a really like classic Latin feel. We're back. This is serious. Oh, we're, oh, this is serious. All right, we're fixed to be serious. All right, all right. So uh, the beginning of the song has a Latin feel with a nice tight bass line and some verb guitar. Um, I really like it. I like how they create it. I think they did a really good job. I'm guessing just because I'm kind of familiar with how these things work is DJ Khaled made this um, whole backbeat and set it all up and then Rihanna kind of sung over it. So um, they do a nice split with the shaker and tambourine. I think it helps make it a more spacious area with them being split across your left and right ears. Um, This is something I'm probably going to talk about a lot. I find We've reviewed what, uh, this is our fifth song, and I've already talked about panning in just about every single <laughs> song that we've done. So I just want to bring up that I will probably talk about panning a lot because it's a really common trick that a lot of people use. Um, and for those of you that don't know what the word panning means, because some of you may not, uh, it's basically where you put something in a mix, whether it's in the left side or the right side or in the center. Um, if you get really fancy with like surround sound, you can put it behind you, but most people stick to those front three areas because it's the easiest uh something i hate about this intro though so i did like the latin stuff in it and i thought it was really cool i despise more than anything when people do like call outs of their own name at the beginning of a song (laughs) it's it's literally almost like i'm not good enough for you to know that i made this so i'm gonna have to tell you i made it i mean you hear this all the time like dj Khaled did it crazy on this song and every song he's on 
But um, I mean, another famous person who does this and clearly does it because they're not good enough for people to like them on their own is like Pitbull. Yeah, it's all it's all like we studied this a little bit um, in marketing and it, it is it's all like this marketing ploy. It's like branding yourself, basically that Rack City beat, mother on the beat. Oh, you know, like that's it's in like all of his freaking beats. Yeah, this is what I would picture like a really cheap DJ doing um, and just hitting some button that triggers some sample of them like, hey, I'm this DJ and just doing that <laughs> over again. And uh, yeah, it feels really cheap to me. Okay, yeah, moving on from that with DJ Khaled and his pride complex here. Um, <laughs> we get into rap one, and something I also don't like about this is it feels like they're trying to hype into Rihanna, which I'm like, of all people on this track, Rihanna is the one person that doesn't need help, and it feels like DJ Khaled feels the need to help her into this track, like... Here's Rihanna. She's coming up. You're going to get to hear her. She's really great. You guys don't know her, but she's great. And it's like, okay, we know who Rihanna is, and she's great, but we don't need you to tell us that. And that's kind of how it felt to me. But once that chorus hits, though, and and Rihanna starts singing for real and raps and sings, um, they do a really good job at mixing that in. I feel like it, it's very continuous in her motion between the rap and into the chorus because um, it feels like it's almost the same thing. It's like the chorus is tagged on to the end of each of these verses, yeah, which is really cool. And something I noticed too that really helps this, like production-wise, is the pad coming in behind Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly think that's to set pitch because there's really nothing in this track up to that point that sets the pitch of the song. Like you do have that Latin line, but it's not doing yeah. enough for you to get a chord out of it. And obviously, like the like. 8080 like drum beat thing behind yeah, it. I mean, not... it's like you you got bass behind it, but it's really it's rotating between two chords. Yeah, and so I think this pad comes in to help kind of set the pitch and kind of establish a key because you need that if you're gonna sing, um, <laughs> especially if you're gonna. <laughs> For sing all well. you elementary singers out there, if you're gonna sing, you need pitch and a key. Yep. So so yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. Rap one. I'll let you do some chatting all right well i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna rant for for a minute and all unfortunately right. it will probably go against basically everything you just said right now. <laughs> awesome that's what we're about all right shameless plug i really enjoy this this nifty little tune um Here's the deal. We'll dive into the we'll dive into the song a little bit, and then I will go into a part that I think is is not so upstanding and not so honest and not full of integrity, and I'll and I'll explain that later. Um, no, I, I I think that the first time I heard this song, I was like, oh great, it's it's Rihanna on an, on another like hip hop based, moderately sensual, sexual song because I feel like that's ninety percent of what she does, um, which is cool, and that and that's her style, and that's. That's how it goes. I, I think that um, the I, I do. I love the I love the hook. I love the guitar riff. Um, for those of you who don't know, that was actually sampled by Santana, and it's from a, from one of his songs called Maria Maria. Um, and oh, so now I feel really bad for what I'm going to say about that guitar riff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of Santana's records um, that they sampled, and they sampled a couple different parts throughout that song. I think melodically. I think you're right, Riley. I think like melodically, it's like sometimes it's hard to establish what's melody versus what's what's rap. Um, 
And I think very much so, like we talked about with Old Town Road, there's not a whole heck of a lot you can you can lean on lyrically. I mean, it's not, you know, some sort of crazy deep, deep Ryan Adams poetry. Um, but I think that yeah. the way that she, that Rihanna uses the words that she has um, is is really impressive. I mean, literally the chorus is is two words, you know, and and that that hook was a hook that got stuck in people's heads instantly, you know. Um, yeah. And the repetition, you know, the wow, like that whole, that whole repetition, and almost like the swagger that Rihanna puts on a track. I feel like that's what she, she adds a lot. I mean, she is a phenomenal singer. You can find you can find videos out there of her just in small clubs and stuff before she was, you know, bad girl Riri, you know, and um, and she's she's got a really really good voice. But I think that anytime Rihanna is is on a track, she brings kind of this like swag to it and a little bit of this like style to it in the way that she kind of slurs her words a little bit in the way that she that she does present the motifs and um and the way that she does play with the lyrics another thing that um that she does in a lot of her songs and she started doing it on her anti record um which is i don't know if that's her i think it's her most recent record um, but she has like little kind of little motifs that they'll produce into the back of the songs. So I think, um, it's around, uh, one minute and 20 seconds into the song where she's singing the hook and she does like a little no, no, no. And that kind of in the background and she adds another like melodic motif. And so she does that yeah. really, really well. Almost these like little ad libs that still follow the same melody line and still, still follow what's going on, but it's enough to almost, I like to call it like, I like to say like, keep the dice rolling, you know, and it's enough to, to add a little bit more almost percussion with, with the melodies that she chooses. Yeah. I I think that's honestly a dynamic device too. I mean, if you listen to this song, if you strip out all the vocal in this song, it does absolutely nothing. I mean, the instruments come in and they stay in and then like every once in a while you throw in that little Santana riff and yeah, it's cool. You get the Santana riff and then it comes out and you're back to this little beat thing that's doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what they do to kind of compensate for that, which they do really well, is they bring in these vocals in different ways. So you have like the layering of the vocals on Rihanna's voice, um, those little like riffs that you just talked about where she kind of diverges from the actual melody and does something else in the background to help kind of build it into something a little bit bigger than it just was. Um, or like the transition between her and Bryson Tiller is like he comes in as a background vocalist for her, like in that wild, wild, wild part. Um, and then it transitions when it goes to him. She comes in as a background vocalist for him at the end of his rap mm-hmm. and then takes it over at the chorus. And that helps to kind of move this song forward and to give it some sort of dynamic device, because honestly, the music doesn't do it. Um, the music does a little bit here and there, but it's not doing enough to honestly give you this kind of build effect that you expect in songs. Cause if you don't do that, it's just boring, right? Mm. The song plateaus and stays the same. It's not gonna, it's not gonna sound interesting. No one's gonna listen to it twice, but a song like this gets listened to so much because they've done all these little things to help kind of build this dynamic space that changes and doesn't feel static and, um, gives you something interesting to listen to. And that's, and that's what they do really well. Yeah, and and they have such like a a contrast with the phrasing that they use, you know, and and it isn't even so much because it is. I mean, the the song in itself, Rihanna doesn't hit any huge notes. I mean, it's all it's all very very low. It's all I think like probably three or four notes. Yeah. One thing that they do that's really impressive that that does keep the whole song 
moving um, because there isn't a lot instrumentally. I think I tried to cover this song one time in some sort of weird midnight stupor, and I found out it was literally only two chords, which is the revolving bass line. You know, so melodic, like the melody isn't really coming from, you know, the pads or the chords as much. It really is what Rihanna puts on top of it. And one thing that she does, even though um, there's no, you know, really bigger sections and there's not a lot of louder, soft, dynamic melodically, she changes up the phrasing um, a lot, you know, in the, in the verses, it's like, it's kind of just like, da, 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 and she kind of lets it breathe, da, 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 and she, it's like very static, um, and it's, and it's very straightforward, and then she goes into the part in the second verse, um, where it starts with, the diamonds ain't nothing when I'm rocking with you, the da, 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 so it switches kind of from this, like, static, almost like staccato type feel into very, like, smooth, um, smooth transition, and that's not even melodically what she's doing. She just has an interesting, um, interesting phrasing, which is kind of a songwriting thing that I think gets underlooked um, a whole heck of a lot. There are only so many, you know, notes within a scale that you can use, but it's really how you approach them and almost the empty space that you put between them that really makes a melody shine. Um, yeah, and so I think I think that's really it's all kind of like that undertone stuff that really makes this song, this song work well. Yeah, and I, I think that translates in a couple different ways. Um, I think that same phrasing that you're talking about um, with the vocals happens in weird little ways with the instruments too. I mean, you have Santana's riff, um, and towards the end, you kind of hear they diverge from like what they use for the first two breakdowns, and that last one that kind of goes into the ending, um, they take a different portion of that, and it's got a little like a little extra thing towards the end, which I think is really cool and really helps that um, move along. So, uh, but on the same note, so the Santana guitar, I didn't know was Santana. So I also <laughs> feel really bad about what I wrote about it. Um, Cause I like the riff a lot, which makes sense because I do like Santana as a like guitar writer. He's very, very talented as many of you probably know but I absolutely despise the tone they used for this guitar. <laughs> it's very trebly. It is. It's very trebly, and it feels like, like here's how I described it in my notes. It sounds like someone plugged straight into the interface they used to record on, added some like g- garage band distortion to it, and called it a day. And there's absolutely nothing else. There's no verb. There's no like cabinet settings. There's no modeling on the amp side. Like there's nothing to make this guitar sound like it's existing in real life. It sounds like it's a sample. It almost sounds like what happens when you use one of those keyboards on the guitar setting and you like tap the keyboard in the rhythm and pattern that you're wanting. That like that's what it sounds like to me. Uninteresting. Yeah. And you know, it's funny is I'm I'm actually like watching watching the the video as you're talking about this and you talk about you know just plugging it straight into an interface and sampling it and i'm pretty sure that's what they did because i'm i'm watching <laughs> like 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 no joke like jokes aside i have two observations a we're going to have to edit this out b bring the listeners back um what's interesting about this video is like i'm watching the video as you're talking and he literally has um a nylon string guitar. He's playing the whole riff on a nylon string guitar. So I really think what they did is they sampled the parts that they wanted to and ran it through some sort of like electric, like distortion, like modulation, like preamp or plug-in. 
and that's why it's now an electric. I mean, I guess there could be a different there could be a different version where he does he does more like an electric vibe, but the one that I'm seeing that they sampled is definitely done on a nylon string guitar. So that probably explains why you're dissatisfied with the tone because that's not even the original tone. So Yep. Yeah. All right. I've, I'm done harping on Santana. Right. I want to harp on DJ Khaled some more. Oh me, oh me too. And then we'll we'll end harping on DJ Khaled because that. Wait, won't... no, I have one more thing after that. Oh, okay. actually, I'll just start with this because it's really short, and then we can harp on DJ Khaled. Dope. What the heck is the sound at 51 seconds? I'm telling you, it's a screaming cat. <laughs> I was texting Josh today, and I'm sitting at my computer listening to this song, typing up notes, and. I had to pause the song four times and restart because I heard the sound and I thought it was my dog in the front room screaming for help. And I ran into my front room and I'm like, Grady, are you okay? And he's sitting there on the blanket, like looking up at me. He's a little wiener dog dachshund. And he's like, what the heck? Why are you disturbing my nap? I... And then, well, no, I'm not done with the story. And then I come back to my room and turn the song on again, 10 seconds back because I missed part of it. And it happens again. I'm like, what the heck? So I run up to the front room. This happens four times, Josh. And on the fourth time, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's in the song. And I rewind and find it. And I'm like, who put this in the song? Why does this need to exist here? <laughs> you know, I, I was sitting there and I was like, I wonder, this ran through my head while you're saying this, if, if Rihanna was like on American Idol and Simon Cowell just just hated her. You know, and, and she like goes and sings her little wild thoughts song. And he just sits there and goes, now, Rihanna, what I really don't like is you sound like a screeching wiener dog in the middle of an acoustic room. <laughs> and I just want to say in a roundabout way, you just compared bad girl Riri to an old aged wiener dog screaming in the other room. I think it was meant to be something there and oh, it, it was, was not what they were going for. And someone forgot to hit the mute button on the bounce track before they put it up in production. I I think it's cool. I I kind of like it to be honest. I'd never I'd never noticed that until. I don't you... think it serves a purpose. Is my problem with it. <laughs> DJ Khaled, here's all right, you want to trash DJ Khaled first, or do you want me to trash DJ Khaled first? P.S. If you, if you are the listener and you get this far into the podcast with our all of our ranting and editing out, we appreciate you. After editing, this podcast is going to be about 13 minutes long. <laughs> like one of those censored rap songs. We've achieved success, Riley. We have become a censored rap song. Our, right. our censorship would have to be removal because if it was actual censorship, they'd get tired of the beeping. <laughs> the, but be like, no, we, we would need some sort of like wild animal blurping like one of those things you know i'm gonna put that in every time i have to edit something out it's just this random i'll, I'll go sample the screeching noise from 51 yes. seconds and that's what i'll put in there all right now we're done talking about rihanna's <laughs> that'd be hilarious all right dj khaled uh all right do you want to do you want to you want to start this one off or do you want me to start this one off I can start this off. All right. You, you sound pretty confident. Quote. Yeah. Here's my quote. DJ Khaled is trying way too freaking hard. What if I blew your mind and said that DJ Khaled didn't even try on this record? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. I, I think it was more that he tried way too hard to be in the song than he tried hard to make the song. Like... 
I if I had a dollar for every time his name is mentioned from the start to the end of this song, I wouldn't need to work ever again. How many times is his name mentioned? Because I only remember hearing it like the beginning and the, the end. No, it's at the beginning. It's a little place in the middle where it does this weird panning thing. And instead of saying his name once like he does at the beginning, it says it like nine times and it's bouncing between your ears. Oh, that's weird. And I'm like, that is literally intentionally put there to draw your attention. It's like... Here's my name. Here's my name in your right ear. Here's my name in your left ear. Here's my name in your right ear again. Here's my name in your left ear again. It's literally this moment of like, this is me. I made this song. Don't care about Rihanna. I made this song. Like, that's <laughs> what it is. I'm like, sorry, dude. You just don't measure up and it's okay. <laughs> well, I I will say I, I have a bone to pick with DJ Khaled for, for uh, another reason, but a very similar reason. So because he wouldn't sample you on his last album. Oh yeah, that yep, that was totally it. Me and Mister Mister Khaled have a have a beef. It's um, actually Dudge Khaled. Dudge Khaled. Hello, listener. Welcome back <laughs> after this edit of <laughs> Josh and Riley's podcast. I I hope you guys realize we've been recording for like six hours, and <laughs> what you're hearing is the compilation of six hours of recording. That's how much editing we should have we've a different version of our podcast. And be like the unnamed podcast late night and just unedited not edit it live. All right, we gotta we gotta get this train back on. All the right, tracks. here we go. Chugga chugga choo choo. Here we go. All right, and we're back. Um, so and picking we're back on picking on DJ editing picking on DJ Khaled. Um, so this is a very behind the scenes thing that really only songwriting nerds like myself would be privy to. Um. But when I when this song came out, like I said, I, I think it was what two summers ago this song came out, and I was in love with it, and I I really started to get into um, and kind of study and analyze the stuff that Rihanna did and her melodies and stuff because they're so infectious. And so I, I looked into this song, and and there was a interview on YouTube. If I can if I can remember the link, I'll I'll send it to Riley, and we'll have it posted here somehow. But. There was a um, interview that DJ Khaled did at a radio station, and there I was like, "Oh man, you know, another hit, you know, blah blah blah, Wild Thoughts," and and he broke down the writing process of Wild Thoughts, and I I was flabbergasted because he tried to hype himself up, but he literally did no music production on this song whatsoever. Sounds about right. So I don't know if if you all know, but DJ Khaled in my opinion, is a little bit of a con artist, especially when it comes to writing songs. So he, and he will admit this, I've watched other interviews where he fully admits that that he really has no production sense in the, far of, in the form of those types of things. So he basically runs a publishing company. So he's a good businessman, but he basically runs a publishing company um, where he puts beat makers and songwriters and artists together. So he basically facilitates and basically puts the artists in one room so that they can write a song together and then puts it on his record like he produced it. Um, and I think from, so like for instance, in this case, um, it's the song, the beat was produced by someone called DJ Nasty. Um, the lyrics and melody were produced by PND, who is Party Next Door. Um, and he actually did a lot of the melodies and lyrics for Rihanna's most recent record, the anti-record. Um, I think it's the most recent. It might not be. But that record he did a lot of the writing for. Um, and then obviously got Rihanna to sing on the hook. And I think that it's kind of... I, I mean, I'm, I'm all about 
I'm all about collaboration. Okay. I'm, I'm all about that. I think the best work comes through collaboration sometimes, but I think what's, what's kind of hard from a perspective is it's like, yeah, he got the same people in the same room or yeah, he put people together that, that sounded good, but I, I just don't know how much of a talent that is. Obviously he's a very good businessman. Obviously he knows how to network and that, and that, that shouldn't be, that, that should be given the credit that it's worth, you know, but to like basically do this and then put out a record like, oh, I made all these hits and I did all this stuff. No, you didn't. You really just got people in the room together. So I, I think that's, I think that's kind of trash of him to be like, oh, this is my record. And I really didn't produce any of the music. Like I even looked at yeah. and it, and it says even in the royalties, like all produced by DJ Khaled. And that's, that's just a lie. Like he didn't write the lyrics. He didn't produce the beat. He didn't sing on the track. The only thing that he did was say, we're the best music. And you're like, okay, cool. Tagline. Good for you. Um, so, so I do think it's, it's kind of trash. I think in a music business that tends to rip artists off in general, like credit needs to be given where credit is due. Um, so I think to, to basically produce a whole like 15 song album or however long that record is, um, and say that it's you, or at least put on the front that it's you. And really it was just a bunch of these other artists doing the work for you, um, I honestly think that 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 is thievery um, yeah. in the music business, 110%. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think this is kind of the flip side to what I talked about in the last podcast with like ghostwriters. And I, I had said something to the effect of like, if you think you haven't listened to a ghostwriter write a song and you like any kind of music, then you're fooling yourself because there are ghostwriters in music, and that's and, just the and there's there's the no there's no shame in that. You know, some people yeah. some people have fantastic voices and can create beautiful melodies, but you know what? Like lyrics aren't their thing, and that's totally okay. You know, and, and vice versa. Some people write beautiful lyrics, but their voice isn't the best, and so they make a living by giving their you know. And there's nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with they are still very much so an artist if they do that. But you know. Yeah, this is the other side of that. But, and yeah. this is what I what I don't like where where promoters and producers like DJ Khaled are taking credit for for music that they one didn't write and two honestly had nothing to do with other than saying, "Hey Rihanna, you want to feature on this guy's track that I have? Oh, by the way, we're going to throw my name over it so that it's popular." And that bugs me because it's almost like he is the Coke brand of music in a way where it's like it doesn't matter what the heck's in the bottle if you put coke label on it then people are going to drink it because it's coke and and that's what this is it, it doesn't matter who made this if you put a dj khaled label on it they're going to listen because it's dj khaled even though he had absolutely nothing to do with this yeah. and that that bugs me too and i mean and i i think to a degree it is it is cool because you can find out that you know pnd wrote the lyrics and the melody you can find out that this yeah. other this you know DJ Nasty produced it. And, and if you do dig a little bit, you can find out that, that those were the true artists behind it. So it, it is cool to a degree that DJ Khaled is, I will say, giving them a little bit more of a platform that maybe they wouldn't have had or wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, but at the same time, their names are never mentioned in the song. So realistically, he gave them this platform. But unless you really are super curious, you're not going to find out anything about the song other than the fact that Rihanna got on the track and sang a couple verses. Yep. Yep, I agree. So I think that can <coughs> conclude our uh, our analysis of wild thoughts. We, <laughs> we're a little mean to DJ Khaled, but probably rightly. You know, and I think 
We didn't really talk about Bryson Tiller, but no. to be honest, he, he rapped and it was a rap. And that's all I really have to say about that. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, I mean, again, it's, it's another example of like using the contour of the words and not, you know, not the, not the words is the medium of the art. <laughs> not the lyrical meaning of the words. Okay, I guess time to be done. I think All right. on that note, uh, we're gonna conclude the podcast that was now. Rough. If you made it this far, we're proud of you. Who knows how long this is actually gonna be? Bye, listeners. Thanks Goodbye, for listeners. Listening. <laughs> I feel. Josh like- is laughing because I just had to cut out like four minutes of comments yep gotta edit that out (laughs) 